Good to see you all here this morning. Uh, back in 1988, how many have heard the name Robert Fulgham? I figured. Oh, there's one. All right. Well, of course, you're a school teacher, right? Um, back in 1988, he published a book entitled, and you might, you might recognize this, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Remember that now, back from the 80s? Okay, here is a partial list from that book. Number one, share. Uh, play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say sorry when you hurt someone. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Here's one. Live a balanced life. Learn some, and drink some, and eat some, and draw some, and paint some, and sing some, and dance, and play, and work every day some. How's that? Balance. And I like this one. Take a nap every afternoon. Right? So certainly uh, some wisdom and common sense in there, things that uh, we, we learned in kindergarten that are still very helpful to us today. Amen. I wish I had ex been explained um, one thing before I hit kindergarten um, because it was a painful lesson for me personally and maybe some of you here today. And that is this. Try your best but not everyone's going to be nice to you. I, I, I can still remember those feelings of confusion. Not, not that I was all that in a bag of chips or anything, right? I wasn't this great, great person, but neither was I mean and nasty. And, and so it, it surprised me. It, it confused me when people just arbitrarily treated me badly for you know seemingly no reason. And... Uh, my point is this morning that things can be a lot easier to deal with when you know ahead of time what to expect and why and what to do about it, right? In our next section, in our study in the book of John, Jesus does just that. He's there. Uh, we're, we're at that time where he is uh, very close to his arrest and um, he's sitting down with his disciples, giving them some last uh, instructions. So he's telling his present and future disciples, that's us, right, what's in store for them as a follower of his. John 15, go ahead and turn there this morning. John 15. I always like to put the, the scriptures up. Uh, on the screens for us to follow along, but as I say before, please bring your Bible. There's just something about your own Bible, right? Just something. I remember things. It's like, oh yeah, it's about left-hand side on the page, about halfway down, right? Just you just get these pictures in your mind. Plus, you can write little notes if you if you do that, underlines and things like that, which help you in the future. John 15, beginning at verse 18. Good morning, Zoomers. By the way, good to have you with us this morning. If the world hates you, ouch, know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Now, if you are a disciple here this morning or listening online, can I say I don't remember this being covered in a new believers class? You know, when I, when I came to know the Lord and, and started fellowshipping in the church, I don't remember somebody sitting me down and telling me this. Right? It was one. It was like kindergarten all over again. You know, I I came to know the Lord. I went home. And I was all excited about what had just happened to me, uh, asking Jesus to come into my life and my heart. And I had this this joy and the sense of, of coming home and, and the sense of God's presence. And I was all excited. And there were people at my house that were not excited at all for what just happened to me. Right? I didn't understand this concept. Thought everyone, you know, would want to know Jesus too. But that didn't happen. So whether you're young in the faith, or you've been around for a while, or you may just be seeking, right? It's good to understand what Jesus is saying here. And this morning, God willing, I want to touch on four things. Number one, that we will face persecution as Christians. Uh, Number two, why? Number three, what it looks like and feels like, I guess you can add. Um, And number four, but most importantly, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? That's that that that's what I wish you know would have been covered uh, as a as a very young believer. What do you do when you face that? Right. So I want to title the message this morning: Responding to Persecution. The first thing then that Christians need to understand is that persecution is a part of the Christian life. It just goes with the territory, right? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, will be persecuted. Why? Why is that? Well, let me give you an illustration from my checkered past. When I was in high school, uh, unlike a certain former president, I inhaled. Okay, Um, something I'm not proud of, obviously, but yes, your pastor smoked pot in high school, okay? But after a while, I began to see how it affected me negatively. Um, I I lost my drive, especially for things like doing homework. Uh, Things that just didn't appeal to me. It was all about comfort and fun and, and all this kind of stuff. And I let my grades slip. So one day, here we are in the morning before school started, like happened a lot in my school. How this happened, I don't know. But here was 8, 10, 12 people in a circle, and uh, we were passing this thing around from one person to another. And just very simply and quietly, I took that wacky cigarette from this person and handed it on to the next person, right? No fan fear, didn't say a word. 
But a friend of mine saw what I did, and this is what he said. He said, what's the matter? Are you too good for us now? Wow. Immediately, right? Uh, suddenly, because I didn't want to do something that he was doing, I was too good for him, right? Which is interesting because, you know, you think of the word, too good, right? So obviously, um, it, it began to affect deep down that he knew he was doing something that was not good, right? Something that was wrong. So by me not doing it, it kind of reminded him. It kind of pricked his conscience, right? Um, it, it, but his conscience was buried as long as everybody around was doing the same thing. Made it a lot easier. He didn't have to think about it. But as soon as one said no, then his conscience had to deal with it. And the resulting action was not to say, oh, I'm doing something wrong. The resulting action was to turn on the one who gave him that discomfort, although it wasn't really me, right? See how that works? This is what happens. So then Paul said, if we seek to live godly lives and obviously do it in public, our actions or inactions, as the case may be, will affect people around us. Some of them wonderfully will be drawn as they see the differences in our lives, they'll be drawn to us and, and hopefully drawn to Christ as a result. But sadly, others, as Jesus said in verse 21, will go the other way because they do not know him who sent me, he said. See, if they already had a relationship with God, they're going to want to live godly too. They're going to want to uh, yield to the Holy Spirit and, and know the joy of, of walking in harmony with God. They're, they're going to be all for it. But because they don't know him, because they're still in darkness, um, because they walk by a different worldview and a different value system, they're going to oppose. Right? So even, even if people don't say anything, um, they can still feel uncomfortable around us. Right? What does is, what is dark do when, when you turn on a light? It hides behind stuff. Right? And, and, and that's what we do. When we live that life right before people and, and uh, act a certain way, if, if they feel uncomfortable. You know, all of a sudden, um, you know, sometimes people, you're in a conversation, people find out I'm a pastor. All of a sudden things change a little bit. Right? People get uncomfortable around Christians, even without us saying a word, not judging, not pointing a finger at anybody, not telling them what they can or can't do, right? but just the knowledge that we represent Jesus Christ. And people know who Jesus Christ is. They know who he represents, and now we represent him. So it's just being, if you will, just living the Christian life is going to have that. And so we might find ourselves left out of certain conversations, not invited to the get-togethers. Right? The room gets quiet when you walk in suddenly. Okay? How many know what I'm talking about? You experienced that, right? All of us, I'm sure, at one time or another. Now, yes. Um, as Bart uh, brought out a couple of weeks ago, 
some believers, some Christians in other parts of the world are facing a different kind of persecution, right? Horrendous persecution, violence, um, basic human rights abuses, even losing their lives for their faith in Jesus Christ uh, by, by militant uh, people, okay? And if I was preaching in Iran, this would be a totally different sermon, okay? They're not, we're, we're not facing that. Thank you, Jesus. And we need to pray, obviously, for our brothers and sisters around the world. But just because getting your arm broken is terrible, that doesn't mean being shunned in the workplace is a piece of cake. It still hurts, doesn't it? Being left out, being ostracized, right? And not only uh, does it mean it doesn't hurt, but just, just comparing ourselves to people that are going through it worse doesn't teach us how to respond either. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. So we will face persecution for how we live, just like Jesus did. Also, we will face persecution for what we believe. Okay? The Bible might still be the best-selling book of all time and around the world even today. But not everybody likes what it says. Okay? And whether it's the fact that it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, or whether it says that certain culturally accepted behaviors are immoral in the eyes of God, and not that we're condemning people, again, or shoving the Bible down their throats. Jesus told us to share the gospel, right? The good news of salvation in him. But just knowing that you and I believe certain things, that we believe uh, truths based on the word of God, is going to label us in our culture, in our day and time, as a hater, as an intolerant, as, as, as some kind of, you know, uh, moral police, even if we don't say a word. To, so just knowing we believe these things um, is going to, in some people's minds, make us holier than thou and bring a certain amount of backlash to us. So persecution because of the way we live, persecution because of the way we believe. So what do we do? Let's, let's bring it down. What do we do? Well, first let's talk about what we don't do. We don't compromise our lifestyle or our beliefs. Right? The hardest thing, and hear this, the hardest thing is that we're human. Right? We're human and we live in a human world and we interact with people. And, and since we're human, we want to be liked, don't we? It's, it's just a basic human attribute. We want to be liked by others. We want to fit in. Uh, we, we want to be a part of the crowd, right? And, and even in our Christian faith, we want to be, um, we, we, we want to fit in with people so that we can be an influence, so that we can be light and salt and, and be positive in their lives. So, because of that, though, we can be very tempted to compromise on our convictions. Um, how many times has yours truly, through the years, uh, let that joke slip? You know, that was not 
necessarily appropriate, but got the laugh, you know, um, other things, right? We can be tempted to compromise on our convictions. But here's the biggest problem with that, two of them actually. Number one, uh, when we do, we might gain in the flesh, but we lose in the spirit. We may gain in the flesh, but we lose in the spirit. God gives us wisdom for life, doesn't he? He gives us his word. He tells us uh, how to live in order to walk in harmony with him and experience blessing and be, become a blessing to other people. When we go contrary to that, we not only lose those blessings, but when we go contrary to what the word's teaching us and contrary to the way the Holy Spirit is leading us, right, we begin to harden our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Right? Joe's a guitar player. He, under, he knows what calluses are. You need calluses if you're going to keep you know, uh, pushing those strings down. Right? The more we resist the Holy Spirit, the more we say, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to do this instead. The more we do that, the more our hearts get calloused and the less and less we're able to hear that still small voice leading us. Right? So... We get weaker spiritually. It's a downward spiral. We lose the inner peace. We lose the joy of the Lord. We lose our confidence in prayer. We just lose okay, when we compromise. And, and, and the second thing is for other people. And here's the irony. Here's the irony here. Someone may be persecuting you, but they're watching you at the same time. You realize that? They may be making fun and all this about, oh yeah, the Christian goody-goody over there. But at the same time, they're watching. They're watching how you and I respond to that. They're watching the way that we live our lives. Because deep down in their hearts, they know they're missing something. They know that, that something is just not right. I mean, um, the, the scripture talks about that. That God has subjected this life to frustration. Okay? They know something's not right. And they're watching. Watching for what? Watching to see if this is just another, it's just, you know, something you say you believe or whether it's really a life changing thing. Something that's easily compromised or, no, this is, this is real, right? They're hanging in there. They want to know if it's worth following or just another philosophy. And there's thousands of those, right? So when we compromise, we actually hinder people from finding Christ. And they lose too. Okay? So compromise is a lose-lose situation. So we can't compromise. What do we do? Here it is. Ready? We love we love, we serve, we treat people with kindness and respect, and we keep on doing it. That's the key. Isn't that what Jesus did? Right? He kept on doing it. Um, there was a time in the Bible where uh, it says that Jesus healed 10 people with leprosy. 
Now, we don't deal a lot with leprosy here, right? You might not even know what it is. It, it, it affects the nerves, and then parts of your body just begin to die off, right? And, and people uh, lose fingers and toes and, and stuff because of this. It's just a horrible, horrible uh, disease, leprosy. Those who had leprosy had to, once they were diagnosed, they had to live away from their families. They had leper colonies that they would live in. And uh, they, they had to live there. They couldn't live amongst the people of society. And when they were traveling down the road, you know, so that they wouldn't get close to somebody, they had to yell in Israel. They had to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people could avoid. Can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine, you know, here, instead of smiling at your neighbor and saying hello when you're walking down the road, you have to yell unclean, and then they would turn and walk away from you? Kind of, kind of like happened almost in the beginning of this pandemic. Remember that? When they didn't know if you could just catch it by walking by somebody, and people just kind of... Imagine living like that all the time. And he healed... Ten lepers, and the Bible says only one came back to say thank you. Only one. After such an incredible life transformation, only one came back to say thank you. But you know what? Jesus still healed all ten, didn't he? He still reached out in love and compassion to nine who, who weren't grateful about it. And obviously, when Jesus hung on the cross, dying for those who were mocking him, spitting at him, he said what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you see at church? Persecution happens. Keep loving anyway. Keep serving anyway. Keep Pollyannying anyway, right? Keep helping and building up and encouraging people, the same people, especially the same people who are treating you unkind. Love them, serve them, help them. Peg was just sharing on Wednesday morning Bible study how someone that she worked with uh, treated her badly for years. Years. You know, these things, they're not days, they're not weeks, right? Sometimes they're years, right? But she hung in. And she didn't compromise. And when that person finally came to a crisis in their life, who was the one person that they sought out? Right? The person that he knew from watching her over time had a real relationship with God. Not just something they said that they believed. He watched her walk it out during the difficulty, even the difficulty that he himself right, put on her. And he knew it was real. And so that's where he went in a time of need. And the pain, because it is going to hurt, right? At times, it is going to hurt. What do we do with that? Take that pain to the Lord. You know, what a, what a wonderful opportunity that you and I have 
to get in the Lord's presence and pour out our hearts. You see David doing that in the Psalms, right? Pouring out your heart to the Lord. He's the true healer. What what does the Psalm say? He says, he restores my soul. You know, God is a soul restorer. When you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you're tired, when you're beat up, right? He is the soul restorer. He reminds us of his love for us. He reminds us that it's all going to be worth it in the end. He reminds us that no sacrifice, right, is unseen and won't be rewarded in this life or the next. Jesus said in Luke 6, blessed are you, listen to this, blessed are you, happy to be envied are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Blessed are you, right? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. It's going to happen. It's a part of the Christian life. But we got we got to get a perspective on it. Okay? Yes, we're going through this as the as as the prophets, you know, of old did. But rejoice because God says it's going to be worth it. At the very least in the life to come, it's going to be worth it. But how much more when that person finally comes and says, hey, I'm in a crisis. Can you pray for me? Right? The eternal difference that we can make in someone else's life because we persevered. And lastly, what do we do about all this? We may get ostracized out there, but we have a family in here, don't we? How many times have you experienced the blessing of the church family? Gathering with those of like precious faith. You know, we get together in the men's group. And uh, I, I, I love the smaller groups where you can get together and, and just share. Yeah, I've been going through this. I've been going through that. And somebody else might say, you know, I've been through that. This is how God, you know, helped me. And boom, you know, just the word that I needed to be, to be encouraged to get back on top of things. Right? Sure, it happens in the ladies' group too. Right? The encouragement, the building up of the body of Christ, the people of faith. Not, not that we don't have friendships outside, you know, these walls. And we need these friendships. We, you know, more than ever, we need to build relationships with people. Because that's, that's how people end up from out there in here. It comes you know, 90% of the time it comes through relationships. We need to be building relationships, friendships outside of these walls. But here is where the deep friendships take place. Here is where the real fellowship takes place. We, we, we got all kinds of, you know, other, but here is where my best friends are in the body of Christ. Those who believe as I do and can encourage me and I can encourage them, right? So, here is where we find the strength to not only bear up under persecution, but to respond. How? With love and with grace. We're going to face it. It's not going to go away. How do we do it? Love and grace. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you persevered, that you didn't, quote unquote, take your ball and go home. You didn't say you, you people aren't worth it. You're, you're not listening to me. Uh, you're, you're, most of you are rejecting me, uh, calling out for my crucifixion. That's it. I'm, I'm done with you. No, you kept it up all the way to the end. You showed us what love is. And because of that, Lord, we're here. Because of that, we are recipients of incredible grace. So, Lord, as you live in us by your Spirit, may we do the same thing. May we respond with love, serve, build up for your glory and for your honor. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.